Hi guys, welcome to Small Talk with Sid, the podcast, the at-home series. I am so excited to be introducing this series to you all. It's been something in the works for the past few weeks and something that was really weighing heavy on my heart. I know that the world is navigating new territory right now, but I believe the best way to get through any crisis is through one conversation at a time. In this series, I'll be touching on more relevant topics like mental health, wellness, fitness, finance, business, and maybe, just maybe, a few laughs along the way. Also, I really want to preface this episode by stating that I'm also learning how to record these from home. So the first episode required a bit of a learning curve. I apologize for the sound quality in advance. However, I hope that I improve more and more each time. And when things get back to normal, I will be in a professional recording space so the sound quality is at its best. Until then, please bear with me. I'm a one-man show over here. Anyway, without further ado, I present to you the first episode of the At Home series. I hope you all enjoy. Hi guys, welcome to episode 22 of Small Titles of the Podcast, the At Home Series. Our first guest of the At Home Series is Remy Park. She's a vegan recipe developer, a registered yoga and meditation teacher, a food photographer, a blogger at VeggieKins, her own blog. Her recipes have been featured in ABC News, NBC, News 12, Whole Foods Market, Thoughtfully Magazine, and more. And hi Remy, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I... I can't believe we have to like do interviews like this now. It's like insane. Um, is this the first one that you've done on Zoom? Um, I think so. Yeah, I've I've used Zoom before, but just for audio. But I love the video too because it feels a little bit more human. And I've definitely been making use of like FaceTime, Zoom, like all of that so much more since we're you know staying home. And I'm doing this alone, so I feel like I need that for sanity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, where's the boyfriend right now? So he's in Amsterdam. It's funny because we actually already do a long distance relationship. So in a way, it's like not that different. But he was supposed to come visit in March. So that was a little bit of a bummer just because we kind of um, put more time in between the last visit than normal. And now it's like, oh, we don't know when we're going to see each other next. So mm-hmm. we're keeping our fingers crossed. Yeah, I didn't know you guys did long distance. So like, this is like, you guys are already used to this situation. Yeah, it's actually not too bad. Like, at least I don't have to adjust to that. So I know for some people, like a friend of mine, they um, normally live together. But since he has to go to work, and he works as a doctor, they can't really be living together because she lives with her grandma. So I feel like more people are doing some kind of long distance now just because of what's going on. And I don't know, crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess to just tell people how we know each other. So I actually had you at my band year event in September and we talked about before it's been almost a year since that. Um, but how's life been since that? I mean, you know, obviously including quarantine, I guess, but. Yeah, life has been, I mean, okay. Overall, I can't really complain about much. I feel like life hasn't changed for me too much since everything has started just because I'm used to working from home. So I feel like at least that was a huge benefit for me. Um, as far as adjustment, I had my sister living with me for like a month and a half, which I know we talked about and she's actually in high school. So she doesn't have her own place. She was going to boarding school and my parents live in China right now. 
um, and the borders closed. No one can come in anymore. So she really had nowhere to go. And for me, it was like such a single mom moment. I was like, wow, I have so much respect for single moms because mm-hmm. especially in the studio, we were really trying our best not to get on each other's nerves. And I will say we did a pretty great job, but yeah, it was, it was nice to have someone there, even though at the same time, it's <laughs> driving you crazy. Um, yeah. But aside from that, yeah, everything's pretty much the same. Now I'm doing this alone and yeah, work is kind of just the same. How about you? Good, good. For me, it's, um, you know, staying with family right now. And I think that obviously, you know, having people around you, I mean, and I tell people that are staying alone, make sure like you're communicating, like don't allow yourself to like not talk at all because that's not healthy either. Um, so but with the sister thing, I have a younger sister, so I totally relate. Um, I get it. Um, okay, so I happen to know a little bit about your story, but I, you have one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. It's so awesome how like your journey began. So let's kind of like, before we jump into that, though, let's get a little bit of background. Like how old are you? Where did you grow up? What did you study in school? All that good stuff. Yeah, so I'm, I'm 25 years old now. Um, and I was born here in New York. And then my family actually moved when I was seven years old. So we moved to Taiwan, which is the first international move that we ever did. And then from there, it kind of became something that my family would just do. So we lived a little bit in Shanghai after that. We spent some time in Thailand. Um, we tried and we thought about Korea, it, like wasn't a good fit. So it mm-hmm. was kind of similar to like military lifestyle in that sense, but more just like for jobs. So we yeah. obviously always went to international schools. Um, and it was interesting because we'd be overseas, but everyone would always speak English. We'd learn American history and like world history. Um, and then it was kind of normal for everyone to move around every two, three years. So you sort of went in with the expectation that friends you made would end up somewhere else. Um, but on the plus side, you would always meet people that like were friends of friends from other countries. So that was always really cool. In, in a way, it's like very disconnected, but also connected. Um, and then I came back here for college. So that was probably, ooh, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> but I came back to New York for college. Um, my family, like grandparents and all still live here. So it was like the place that I wanted to come back to and I felt most comfortable. And I went to school at Barnard, which is um, the Women's College of Columbia. And I still live in New York, kind of close, like on the Upper West Side area. So I study psychology. Um, I took a job at a consulting uh, firm and then I left after about three months. And um, the reason I left was not really to start my blog, uh, but it ended up becoming my full-time job as a result of having a little bit more time and needing the income anyway. So, yeah. Right. Um, that's crazy. I knew you traveled. I didn't know you traveled that much growing up. Was that, was that something you look back on now and like, wow, I'm glad I had that experience? Or was it like really hard on you and your siblings? I think yes and no. Um, I think I learned how to become really flexible and just how to interact with multiple people. But at the same time, it was so interesting coming back and feeling like I did not really fit into Asia because I was really American. Like my family is super duper American. Um, mm-hmm. English is their first language. And I never felt like I was Asian enough. And then I came back here to college and I was like, wow, I'm missing out on a lot of like very American things. Like we didn't have football. We didn't have cheerleaders. We didn't have homecoming. I had no idea what those things were. So certain things I had to kind of like relearn. Um, and I would pick it up from friends, like when I would come back to visit in the summer and winter, but it's just like this weird feeling of never fully fitting in anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it helped me a lot too, because a lot of what I do is sort of out of the box. Like even the career path that I ended up on is just very, um, yeah, not traditional. So I think I, get a lot of that from just the way that I was 
living when I grew up? I was just going to say it falls very in line with like the lifestyle you've already been living. Um, and the feeling of not feeling like you fit in a lot, I have a lot of friends that are multiracial and like, they told me even people that have like one white dad and one black mom, they always right. feel this like, I don't quite fit into one group. So you obviously can relate. Um, so growing up, you know, what were you, what were you, let's talk about your story. So how was like your childhood and all that? How did everything really begin? Like the, all the hard times you went through? Um, I have to say like everything was actually great. Like I never had any catalyst for everything that happened, which is why sometimes I feel bad that it happened because it's always like I had the greatest upbringing. Like my parents were always there, um, very present, very supportive. And even when I wanted to do things that weren't necessarily things that would typically be encouraged by like an Asian family in that yeah. sense, we were very American. Like they just encouraged whatever I wanted to do. So I'm so fortunate to have that. Um, but things, I think the root of a lot of my issues is just like the genetics and the biology. Um, a lot of the issues that I struggled with and still struggle with are all rooted in like anxiety disorders and anxiety and depression, like that kind of bubble. So for me, it really started out with um, OCD first. And mm -hmm. I hadn't been diagnosed because I didn't really know that it was a thing. I think I was probably around six or seven when I realized what it was. And I think it was triggered by the stress of just a huge environment change. So I moved to Taiwan and that's when I really noticed like, okay, I'm doing things that are really unusual. And I knew they were weird, but I also couldn't stop myself from doing them. So the main thing that I can remember that was really, really disruptive was um, this obsession about safety. So I would get up in the middle of the night and unlock and lock the door like multiple times. It'd be like probably 30 plus times and obviously yeah. like very disruptive to sleep schedule. So I was like, okay, this is kind of a problem. Um, but it ended up being something that I was able to kind of learn to manage myself because at that point I thought it was just something that I was personally being weird about. I didn't realize it was a disorder. Um, there wasn't really much education about OCD back then, I think, and also not as much access to therapy. Um, Taiwan compared to China was just not as English speaking. So for us to find like a doctor would just be super difficult, I think. Um, right. And around the same time is when my eating disorder started. So I was probably seven or eight. And it's interesting because I don't think it was ever really about weight loss. Um, of course, it became that. But I think it really started off being something that I just wanted control over. And it's really common to see OCD and anorexia go hand in hand. So I guess now knowing that it's not too surprising, I think part of it is just maybe my personality and just the biology of like who I am. Um, but that was something that I really struggled with until about probably age like 16, 17, or maybe even when I went to college is when I feel like I fully got a grasp on it. Um, and then that was kind of like one of those things that I sort of just dealt with and it was kind of a given in my life, which is really sad to say now, but I was used to it. That's like what I knew. Um, food was just something that I didn't really want to eat. I was always interested in like ways to avoid it and not have anything to do with it um and then when I moved to China is when I started kind of drinking and using substances because I think it was like the first year I was there that summer um one of the friends that I knew was older than me and it was actually really normal there to go to clubs like even at that young age they don't card you um there is a legal drinking age but it's not really enforced so mm -hmm. it was very easy for us to like, you know, go to clubs, like we'd be going to clubs and there would be like 30 year old men and stuff like that, but it would be okay because it'd be like 50 of us our age. Yeah. So it was really the norm. Um, and yeah, I started very young and I think that all these things I thought I would never do, I just kind of started doing them. And every time I would do the next thing that I would like never do and cross the boundary, uh, it just became a lot less scary for me. So 
the very first night that I went out, um, I had no idea what my tolerance was to alcohol. I drank way too much. And an older friend of mine gave me something that he said was Tylenol or like, you know, something for your headache, which I now realize was ketamine. And um, I think that it's just so crazy because after that, I kind of was, you know, I was a little upset, but I was like, okay, well, it wasn't that bad and it was not scary. It used to be something that I was so concerned about, like, oh my gosh, all these things I don't ever want to do. I'm so scared of it. And then once you do it, it just becomes, I guess, like your threshold for like what you decide is off limits just lowers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's crazy how fast that happens. So that happened. And of course, the fact that it was normal um, didn't help me either because friends would always still want to go out. So that was just my life for like, I would say until I left Shanghai and senior year of, you know, high school when I realized, okay, I have to get a little bit more serious if I want to go to college. Um, but by that year, I basically did not think I was going to go to college. Like I put in my applications, but I had missed so many days of school that basically my principal said, you know, you are probably not going to graduate. Like we don't want to give you a pass if you don't show up for the remaining days. So mm-hmm. did that and by some miracle ended up going to Barnard. And that's really when I started to change everything. I think the biggest thing for me was realizing that the things that I used to do in high school were not normal. Like I was finally with people who grew up in the U.S. and other parts of the world. And I would tell them, I'd be like, oh, like you guys ever, you know, do this when you were at the club or try this. And they're like, that's really weird. Like we're only, we're not even 21 yet. So that really gave me some perspective. Um, And I feel like the fact that I got into that school, despite me thinking that there was no future um, was like a restart for me and it made me want to take my life seriously. So I took advantage of the free counseling sessions that we'd get. And that's really when things started. Um, so everything at that point kind of, yeah, it was like the beginning eating disorder, OCD, um, addiction, substance abuse, like all of that. Once I started to tackle that and yeah, it was kind of like where I am now. still on that journey. You said a few things. And I feel like your story, a lot of people can relate to because I love what you said about the fact that like you grew up with really supportive parents and this is nothing having to do with them. And I think that people confuse that a lot with like mental illness is that, oh, it must be something around me that's causing this when most of the time it's actually like an internal thing you're struggling with. Um, There might be little seeds planted here and there, but at the end of the day, it's really coming from within. Um, And it's funny that you chose, I'm wondering if you chose psychology on purpose because (laughs) I feel like, you know, almost you said, I mean, you made a point where you said, I want to like, have control of things. And I wonder if that's because maybe growing up, you didn't have that much control of like, where you were moving. So like, it did kind of like stem from that. Um, but is that why you went down that psychology path? Yeah, it is actually. I, um, I thought that I always found psychology pretty interesting because I thought, you know, I'm such a weird person and I want to understand myself. So the first class that I took was like AP psychology. And I was like, this is really fun. It was one of those classes where I think you can tell the difference in like when you're excited to learn about something and when you're not, because I was just really excited to do homework. I wanted to do the reading. I felt like so many of the things I could relate to. And I think that was really the first time where I realized, you know, first that I had OCD um, through reading a textbook and understanding that, oh my God, these are symptoms. And then also as we, you know, went through the semester, realizing that a lot of them um, share similar roots. And I just, I loved it because I felt like it helped me understand myself better. And also it was just really interesting. And I think easier for me, but only because I was more excited to learn about it. Like I was willing to do the work because I thought it was interesting. Um, So my initial goal was to become a psychiatrist. And then I realized that I'm way too empathic for that. Like I will cry with people when they cry. And I don't think people need that. (laughs) I was like, I don't think this is for me. And so I went HR instead. And that's kind of how I ended up in consulting. (laughs) 
super cool. So like you said, as you kind of got into college, this is when your holistic vegan lifestyle where like the birth of it really began. So like, how did that, how did you changing your diet and eating habits, like, you know, act as a catalyst for where you are now? So it's interesting because I think a lot of people would view veganism as something that's a little bit more restrictive. And mm -hmm. by nature, it kind of is in the sense that there are just things that you can't eat. At the same time, there are vegan versions of most foods nowadays, which is really cool. Back then, not so much, but um, I had kind of resolved like my eating issues because by the time I was like junior and senior in high school, um, I was on the dance team and I just could not keep up with like not eating and then putting out that much energy. So in right. a way I had to kind of start eating more. I think also like puberty hits and it's just not sustainable to like starve yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and expect to like be able to function. So it right. sort of resolved itself. I think maybe like the inner workings of just like my body image and relationship with food were still unresolved. But for the who most part, it was it like, sorry? No, I said, who introduced it to you? Um, it was, I'm trying to think actually. I think it was because I remember now I had stomach issues with dairy and that's kind of how I started like making my way towards it. So I didn't eat dairy at all. I stopped because I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm intolerant. Felt so much better. And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to try not eating meat because I made a vegan mac and cheese and, you know, like it's vegan because it's dairy free, but not necessarily because of like the meat part. But I was like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to like learn a little bit more about veganism. I'm curious. Okay. So I felt like a physical difference right away. And that was the first time that I really felt empowered by food. And it was also mm -hmm. exciting, I think, to explore something new related to food. So instead of being afraid of it, I actually wanted to cook and I wanted to come up with fun recipes so in a way it was therapy for me because kind of like exposure therapy like I have to familiarize myself with like new foods I have to like touch them and cook them and enjoy them um so that's really helped me a lot and I think to the compassionate element of it too made me feel good every time I ate I felt like I wasn't just eating for me but also for like the planet and for the animals and that was a really good positive reinforcement for me um so yeah and um, yeah, so, and I, I know your recipes, you're kind of, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you're known for, like, taking traditional recipes that are not vegan and kind of veganizing them. So, like, where does, like, that inspiration come from? Like, where do you find, I guess, like, a lot of it is your cultural background, I suppose. Yeah, I think a lot of it is cultural. Like, my parents did not understand it at all when I first wanted to go vegan. So, part of the fun now is, like, working with them to figure out how we can make cooking easier by just veganizing kind of the base of the recipe that they're making and then they'll add yeah. on like their meat their cheeses or anything that they want um but I think also it's like I'm totally happy with eating just salads and like very plain whole foods like I love that and I think that you can really refresh your palate and start to taste some of the flavors and like vegetables and stuff like that but for yeah. most people that's not the case especially if like you're not used to a vegan diet and I would learn that quickly from like my sisters being like ew are you eating such healthy food like it's so gross um yeah. I think part of it is just that is kind of my form of activism not necessarily to tell people like you should go vegan but more just to show them that it's easy to choose a vegan meal like once a day or once a week even um right. just by appealing to taste buds I think it is important to enjoy food so it has to be something yummy it has to be something that people want to do for themselves and I guess my philosophy on it is it doesn't have to be 100%. I don't expect people to go vegan. And I'm, I hope I'm not the type of person who's always telling people, like, you've got to go vegan. Um, so I try very hard not to be. For me, it's about take what you like from what I'm doing. And hopefully it inspires you to do it a little bit or make 5% of a change. Because in, um, in the end game, like, it does make a huge difference. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, I think one of the reasons why you chose the lifestyle you did is because you really were like, and I think I'm actually quoting you, you were like on the opposite end of the spectrum. And so yeah. I think that you kind of going this other way really allows you to like, think you're, you have to like fully dive into like this lifestyle or to like really never look at the old one again. Um, and I know that you also, you, you completely remove alcohol from your diet. And do you want to like talk about that a little? Yeah, so um, that was actually kind of the reason why I left my corporate job. It was the first time I think that I was not really sleeping very much. I just had really funky hours uh, with consulting and I was on a project and I just wouldn't get much sleep at all. And one of the things with mental health that's really important is when there's like a stressor or an environmental change or just like your basic needs aren't being met, like Mm -hmm. food, sleep, you know, all of that, um, everything kind of comes back because it's all about management. There's no real cure for the things that I struggle with. So all of that started to come back. And for the first time in years, I was like texting my boyfriend. I was like, I really feel drawn to drink alcohol right now. And it's really weird or, you know, take XYZ drug. And it's really unusual, but I was able to catch myself in that moment. Um, and I just decided, all right, it's Christmas. I'm going to dedicate my Christmas break, which was like the first holiday that we'd gotten um, to healing. And I went to like a therapy program. And then things didn't really get too much better. I think it was just a moment of realizing that it was going to take more than just, you know, the two weeks for me to feel like I was at 100% again. So I was out in California, actually, with my boyfriend. And I remember calling him and I said, like, hey, I can't work there. I'm going to have to take a leave. So initially, it was supposed to be a leave. I had every intention of going back. Um, But it ended up being something that, you know, I wanted to just give more time to, like, going to therapy every single day, treating it seriously, knowing that I couldn't do 100% of anything if I wasn't feeling 100%. Um, And then, yeah, by the end of it, I just felt like blog work was kind of taking off. Um, And at the time that I felt like I was comfortable financially, I was like, I'll just take the risk because in this lifestyle, I'm able to take care of myself a little bit better and not have to worry about, oh my gosh, is that going to come back? Like all this work that I've done for years, managing addiction, like I don't want that to be something that I have to think about every day anymore. So, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And the birth of your blog, I mean, when did you, I think one of the reasons why you've seen so much success is because you're so authentic to you and your brand. And I, like, I even follow you on Instagram and I never see you promoting something that like doesn't align with where you are. So I think that's something for just other people watching that, whether you have a smaller brand or a larger brand, like it's important to remain authentic to that. Um, And you've done that very well. But another thing you talked about is, so does your boyfriend share a similar lifestyle as you, or is it very different? Um, I guess in a way it's similar. Like that's part of the reason why we're long distance right now. So we met in high school. So we've been together for, um, I think eight years now. And he was with me through all of that. So it's actually interesting when he met me, I was a completely different person. And, um, he, I don't want to say he was like, like he would not really go out in the beginning. I was definitely going out way earlier than he was. And, Mm -hmm. um, he was into like drama and he had like really good friends, like really, really, really good friends. They would just have like movie nights in and do like normal things you know and they're really Mm -hmm. supportive and um I guess kind of like towards the end of high school it was probably 10th grade he started going out to the club and one day like we were just talking and we ended up like dancing together we like had a whole night and then his friends were like you can't date her she's like so awful like she's like drinking all the time she's like smoking like how can you be around her like you're not like that you know Mm -hmm. but we really liked each other we wanted to make it work and it ended up being a really positive influence on me. Um, I still would say it took a long time to even get to like not smoking cigarettes anymore. That was the first step because his friend was so like grossed out by it. And of course now I realize like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. But 
he really, really helped influence that positive change. And even when things kind of went like, you know, up and down, he was still there for it all. Um, so yeah, I would say that was probably the first time that I kind of started to learn to value myself was through him. But similarly, he went to college in Amsterdam because that's where he's originally from. And um, now we're doing long distance, but he also works for himself. So I think we are very similar in a lot of ways. And that's part of the reason why it works. Like we just get each other and kind of going back to that feeling of like being multiracial or just not really fitting in anywhere culturally. I really feel like he understands everything because we grew up together, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's really cool that he was one of the first people that really kind of helped you get your life on like a more positive road. And that just goes to show you too how being with the relationship you're in or even the people you're surrounded with really make or break like where you're going to end up so if there's anyone that's like dealing with you know abuse of some sort right now like look at who your friend circle is I would say look at who what what kind of relationship are you in because those people I mean it's it's cliche but you really are who your friends are so yeah for sure um and then I guess we'll talk about so so your mental health and wellness, you say that you have like a holistic approach to it. And for those that don't know what that means, can you like explain that? Um, yeah, I think it's really all about management. So in order to be well, I feel like wellness as a whole, I'm seeing that people are taking it more as like a holistic approach, which is awesome. And I think it comes down to physical. So that means like food, sleep, your basic needs, movement, um, but also mental. And that means not being burnt out, taking time when you need it, can be a little bit of meditation, just Mm -hmm. mindfulness and awareness of how you're feeling and checking in with yourself. Um, And then also like energetically and maybe spiritually for some is just making sure that all of your bases are covered because you may be thriving and have like, you know, feel like your body is like at its peak performance level and everything, but if your mind's not there, um, it's just, you're not well, that's just it, right? So for me, it's like checking in because sometimes I think when we're really focused on one aspect of our wellness too, it can be easy to lose track of the others. Um, so I like to just make check-ins with myself every once in a while. Maybe it's monthly, maybe it's weekly. Um, but I think it's also great if you have people who are willing to, oop, let's see, is that working? I can pause it. You can keep going. Yeah, so I think it's also important to see the people that are around you, like you said, because they'll also hold you accountable and just be honest with you and say like, hey, I feel like you're a little stressed out lately or your energy's low or, you know, you're looking Mm -hmm. a little tired. Um, That can be really helpful too. And I think mental health really is one of those things that you have to take care of your base level because, um, yeah, when your base level's low, it kind of sneaks its way in a little bit more. Right. What are some like little ways? So I know you're, you're, wait, a what? Wait, once I wrote this down, it's a yoga, it's like you're certified in yoga, uh, RT. What's it, RT, what's it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you do that and you also do meditation. So like, how has that played a role in like, you know, your um, wellness, I suppose? I think, um, I think it's really interesting because the meditation part, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, in the beginning. And I think part of that is kind of like that disordered mentality of like, oh my God, like, I'm just going to sit there. This isn't a workout. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Right? Even yoga, I feel like gets that rap sometimes where people are like, yes. it's a piece of time, like you're just stretching. Yes. But um, I think yoga is more than just physical. It's more than just a practice. It's kind of a way of living too. It's like sitting still can be yoga, it's laying on your mat and doing absolutely nothing in class is yoga. And it's actually really uh-huh. cool when you're in a yoga class and you see someone who just decides to lay down for the entirety of class. I think that's so powerful. Um, it's uh-huh. really about 
that connection, mind, body. So for me, as far as wellness, it's really helped me to get in tune with that and just value my body um, and think about it as something more than just needs to be like worked out, you know, more than just like sweating, but just taking right. care of it and like that connection, making sure that it's there. Yeah, it's so funny because um, I know that we when it with the panel we had Sarah from More Seven, and I remember I went to one of her classes, and the particular like lesson of that day was like all about like how to like forgiving yourself. And I remember like I was really it was just so funny that particular week I was really beating myself beating myself up over something, and I just that entire like session was I just like you know what like this is something you can control like out of your control and kind of like letting it go. Like movement is so powerful, and yeah. sometimes just like slowing things down and. I think sometimes more high intensity workouts doesn't really allow you to really connect inside of your mind. And that's why you have to like slow things down really, you know, it's all about like self-love. So, yeah. I feel like we could all use a little bit of that right now because uh -huh. we're limited, even like apartment living. I feel like you can't really do a lot of hit either. Like you're very limited in what you can do, but I think it's a great time to just check in with yourself and, understand like is my relationship with working out good right now if, if I'm freaking out like I've had friends who tell me I'm gonna die without the gym that's like girl like maybe yeah. you have to work on that then you know for sure um and then what what do you what like what are some small ways that you just like check in with yourself like I know that for me I love like journaling like I have this thing called the five minute journal in the morning I write something down at the end of the day I write something down um so it's like what I like to do do you have things you like to do um, I do like journaling. I also feel like something that helps me is um, kind of like a quick meditation. It's not really meditation, but I guess just like a, a check-in. Like I like to think of it as like, okay, mind, body, and like energy are having a meeting. And this is like our weekly roundup. Like how are things going? Um, and I do that for work all the time, like work, work, but not really so much like inner work. So I try to do that at the same time and just think like, it's just as important to make sure that the inner work is done. Um, another thing that's helpful for me is just like, shaking up routine because I think routine especially for people with OCD or like control issues or anorexia even I think it's important to make yourself uncomfortable every once in a while so I'll do something that's a little weird um or I'll eat something that I never never would normally eat or I would you know try a different workout or completely take a rest day I think that's so important too just to like keep things different and um yeah push your comfort zone yeah. And I think one thing I kind of want to ask you, because it's also so prevalent at the time we're in right now, what do you do when like you find yourself kind of falling into like a dark moment, or, like a negative moment? Like how do you kind of pull yourself out of that? You don't like retreat to like old habits. Um, for me, what's really helpful is telling people and obviously it's going to be different for everyone. But if you have someone that you feel like you really trust and knows, you know, your struggles, uh, it can even be someone you don't know. And like, you want to talk to like an online therapist. I know that's a thing now, but yeah. I think it's really important because that they can really put you in perspective and help you understand like, oh, like that's crazy. And it also makes you realize I would never say that out loud to another person. So you having to express how you feel verbally to someone else, I feel like is a good check-in to just be like, wow, that's some really harsh stuff that I'm saying. In right, yeah. You know? um, and I guess kind of like to like wrap up, but what are some of, so let's do, let's talk about a little bit back to food. What are some of your favorite recipes? I saw that you're like cookie obsessed, which I need to hear about. You have like I heard you, like 30 plus cookie, chocolate chip cookie recipes on your blog. So how did, let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I think that what's been really popular lately in general has been like banana bread, which I don't understand how that became a thing, but I love it. Yeah. I love banana bread. 
Um, yeah. So that bread has been the most popular lately. But beyond that, I would say I have a kale Caesar salad that's probably one of the second runner-ups to being the most popular. Um, mm -hmm. And that one's pretty pantry friendly for the most part because you don't need dairy for it. You can just use like tahini, which usually is shelf stable. Um, yeah. I've been trying to shift my recipes too to be a little bit more shelf stable because it's hard to gauge what people have access to. For me, when I go to the mm -hmm. grocery store, it's interesting to see like the produce section is like popping. Like people don't want fresh produce. They want like the cans. So for me, it feels like, oh, well, fresh produce is like here in abundance. Like I don't need to really change how I'm cooking that much. But other people, mm -hmm. I guess, are in different situations where really all they have is like canned and frozen food. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to focus more on recipes like that, which has been fun. Um, I would say like the white bean and kale soup that I put up recently is like the most pantry friendly so far. Um, oh. And beyond that, yeah, like I love cookies. That's always been my favorite go-to treat. So I have a ton of cookie recipes on the blog um, and they're pretty easy. Like I honestly feel like vegan baking is easier than regular baking sometimes because you can always mm. use the batter. There's no raw egg uh, and you can kind of adjust based on, you know, how you feel like things are tasting and everyone likes something a little different. So yeah. Yeah. And you, for those listening, go check out her blog. Do you have like a section you're making for like home recipes or an area people can go to find maybe things that are more in the pantry? I should. Um, right now, you can just search by tags and it should say like pantry friendly, but I really should okay. because a lot of them really are. It's just you don't realize it until you have to think about it for real, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because I know that there's a lot of people that maybe, even myself, sometimes I catch myself when I'm home, like eating eating healthy just because like carbs and everything's available to me and like these are like snack at night. So I have to remind myself that like, Truly, when I do eat healthy, like I feel so much better. I get up earlier in the morning. I feel more productive. So I think especially now it's important to like, don't let your, you know, nutrition just go out the back door. Definitely try to like, you know, maintain, it's okay to treat yourself, but definitely don't, you know, forget about um, eating healthy as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what are some like, you know, classes, are there any fitness instructors you're following or classes you're loving right now? So my favorite has been um, Isaac Boots. I don't know if you've ever taken his class. I used to take it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I haven't taken it since then, which is probably like two years now, Solanex, that like yeah. RIP. But um, his class has been great. It's super home-friendly, I feel like. And I'll do workouts with like Rumble instructors. I just think it's so cool because you have so many options. Like people are like, I don't know what to do. And you have so many options. Like I feel like every fitness instructor is offering something for free on Instagram. And if not like virtual trainings that are like $5 versus a normal class, which could be like 25 in the city, you know? So right. it's actually really cool. And then I've been trying to take some classes with studios that I really like in LA too, because I can. And like, this is so cool. Like I just love that I have options. So Isaac, I would say is my go-to um, for yoga. My friend Ali teaches a really amazing yoga class on Zoom. And it's cool because she makes you turn your video on. So, like she'll be giving you adjustments and watching your screen and there's no slacking off. And it makes you feel like you're in class again. So I do really like that. And then every Friday I do like a charity sweat workout. Um, it's like cardio slash boxing with some rumble ladies. And yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I'm honestly feeling more productive that I don't have to like go downtown to take a workout class and come back. Um, yeah. that's a little bit of a bummer. I definitely miss like heavy weights, but it's been fun. Yeah. No way. What are you taking? I'm really curious. Like I do. So I've been kind of switching it up. I love Melissa Wood help. She does like a lot of flows, which she's awesome. I've done, I've done rumble with Taylor. I think we both are friends with Taylor. Yeah. 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 I've done, um, obey fitness also has like these a great variation of workouts. They'll do like high intensity, low intensity. They're great. Um, Pivolve has a lot of great stuff. They do a lot of like, small movements. So 
and I tell people all the time, like they all, there's a lot of free trials, so you're not like stuck with yeah. anything. Definitely try it. And um, it's been really cool to see during this time how like so many instructors have really like been putting big, this great energy out and making everyone feel like there's like a sense of community in the air. Um, it's it's been really really cool to see how people, businesses, instructors, everyone just kind of like coming together. And I definitely think this is all going to like teach us such great lessons moving forward. Um, how important like communication is. I swear, I find myself communicating now, I think, than I was, you know, pre-quarantine. Um, just wow. because now I'm like, listen, I got to pick up the phone and call those friends I haven't called in a while and like make sure they're okay. Um, right. So, yeah. I hope that we keep some of these elements, you know, going because I am enjoying parts of it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I guess like any last words, just advice you can give to people like during this time and how, you know, how they can just, cope and deal with the everyday, you know, unknown of it all? I think the best piece of advice that's been given to me that I would love to share with other people is just to understand that this is an insane season of life right now. So mm -hmm. anything that changes in your life, um, body, skin, diet, anything that changes is totally acceptable because this is an insane time. Like nobody would worry about I guess how their body or skin were looking if this was a different kind of pandemic, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to make any comparisons, but if it was a different kind of pandemic where maybe we wouldn't have to be at home, but there were serious things going on. I don't think we'd be as concerned with, you know, how we're looking and things like that, but we are always our own harshest critics. And I think it's really important that we make sure that we're doing okay. Um, our bodies also do respond a lot to stress and sometimes people don't realize that they are stressed. I definitely had a moment like two weeks after everything started where I realized, Oh wow, this is actually kind of affecting me emotionally. I didn't really realize it. Mm -hmm. So maybe just checking in with yourself, giving yourself a moment to feel whatever you're feeling let it come up and yeah just be kind and accepting towards whatever you feel like your body needs at the time and if that's no working out then maybe you just like take the extra hours to sleep you know we can there's so many things we can do so I feel like focusing on that instead of what we can't do is the best way to think about things yeah for sure and I've been also telling people that you know um I don't want to I don't know how to word this exactly but I think that I don't know I think it's a special time we're in because we have so much free time. So it's like, use it wisely. Like, is there a project that maybe you had on the back burner that you always made excuses never to start? Like, here's a great time to start it. Is there a time you just, you never feel like you really have time for yourself? Like, here's the time to take it. So I would say like, use this time wisely because I don't know how, when it's going to come around again. So I think yeah. there's always opportunity in, you know, times of you yeah. Know, stress. Yeah. Well, so keep in mind. Um, you are an absolute delight. I love everything about you. I think you're so awesome and your energy is just like, I like feel it through the screen. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yeah, you are great and I hope to stay connected. But this was fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. It was so fun. All right, bye guys. <laughs>